HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. This week, it's the season finale of Meet and Three. We're following up our episode about youth with a look at age and how aging affects life on farms and in kitchens. At the, the most basic level, we need people to grow food for a growing global population. The question of planning for retirement or old age as a cook It's almost one that doesn't exist bizarrely until it's too late. We also have a story about a food that might be older than you think. A recent archaeological finding might have crossfitters everywhere reevaluating their diets. Plus, a story about one of Atlanta's most historic and risque landmarks. There are dancers that have been there 20 and 30 years. Don't miss our season finale of Meat and Three, available wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to HRN Happy Hour. It's five o'clock somewhere, and somewhere is Bushwick. I'm Kat Johnson, and I'm the communications director here at HRN. And as always, I'm here with my co-host, Katie Mosman-Wadler. Hey, Kat. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. Um, We also have a number of HRN team members joining us here in the studio for Happy Hour. As we often do, to my right is our wonderful membership coordinator, Hannah Forden. Welcome, Hannah. Thanks. The happiest of all Thursdays. (laughs) The happiest of hours on the happiest of days. Um, And in the booth today, we've got our stalwart engineer, David Tatashore. Hey, Dave. Oh, hey. Oh, what a great audience. Oh, hey. And uh, also joined in the booth by Jordan Werner Berry. You heard her on the trailer for Meet in Three. Hey, Jordan. What's up? What up, girl? Um, and we have some very special guests with us in the studio today as well. Kat, do you want to do our introductions? Let's do it. We're super excited to have Jenny Goodman and Alex McCreary, the co-founders of Tillit. Alex is a chef turned designer and Jenny worked in the restaurant front of house and is now Tillit COO. They founded Tillit with two chef aprons, two chef apron designs, one pair of pants and a chef, chef shirt. And now it's grown. The idea that each Garment would be made in the center of NYC's garment district by restaurant industry folks, and they still make 90% or so of their garments there. They also have a retail store in the Lower East Side where you can go and you can try on all of their amazing designs. Welcome, Jenny and Alex. Thanks, guys. You can also have happy hour at our showroom, by the way. We have rosé <laughs> on top. Hey. So, well, I'm happy to be here at this Oh, no! <laughs> For another day, not on Thursdays. 
Oh, we could take our show on the road. Let's that day. do it. <laughs> I love it. Play dress up, drink some beer. Exactly. Have a happy hour. I'll pretty much do anything where I can try on this amazing. Uh, is it a romper? It's. We call it a jumpsuit. It's, a, it's so cute. Thank you. Okay. That's a preview of the. <laughs> <laughs> um, go to it's tillit.com. TillitNYC.com to see the jumpsuit that we're talking about, and we will talk about more coming up. But first, we have a few announcements we want to make. Um, It's August now, which means our summer membership drive has come to an end, and I wanted to pass it over to Hannah Ford and our membership coordinator to tell us how it went. You guys, it went really well. (laughs) We're all super happy. Cheers. We're toasting with this beautiful pink beer that we're drinking to all of our amazing listeners and members and partners and business members who helped to get us to that $25,000 goal, um, which we really appreciate. So to celebrate, we're taking the day away from the office next Thursday to volunteer at St. John's Bread and Life, which is an amazing nonprofit here in Bushwick that helps to feed those in need and do a lot of other really amazing things for the community. So we're excited to get out there, connect with our community, and thank you all so much. We're going to pay it forward. Thank you all. Really, it means the world. Uh, Cheers. Thanks, everybody, for keeping Food Radio on the airwaves this summer. Yeah. And stay tuned. Thanks, Moxie. Oh, thank you. Moxie! Thank you to Moxie and Souther and Michael Harlan Durkell for doing some really great uh, fundraising. And Todd. And Todd for doing really great fundraising ad drops for us. Um, If you're like me, you could hear Moxie ask for money all year long and it wouldn't bother you. Because she's great. Yeah, um, we'll be bringing Moxie back for the winter fun drive, so get ready. It was perfect. Let's do a fall our, fun drive. Our not-so-secret weapon. Yeah, I think we'll do it again in a couple months, so stay tuned for more Moxie. Um, and in celebration of ending our summer membership drive in a very successful way, um, come out and join us. Uh, we're going to have a member happy hour for all you new members out there at Harbor Bar, which is located inside um, Whole Foods Bryant Park this Tuesday, August... 7 from 6 to 8 p.m. And um, it's really, really fun. It's right on the corner. You have great Bryant Park views. Two free beer tokens if you're an HRN member. So you can... Free beer! And it's all local beer, which I love their beer list. They have amazing beer. Yeah, really, really good. And um, you can become a member there. You can become a member ahead of time. We'll give you the tokens. You'll get beer. You'll be happy. There's also a raffle and discounts at Whole Foods so you can do some drunk shopping which is my favorite thing to do. (laughs) Absolutely. Bad idea. And when we say the bar at Whole Foods um, you like I did when I first heard about it it might be picturing um, you know something small that's kind of off to the side and maybe like on the same area as like the grocery stuff. It is not. It is like a whole I mean you walk through the grocery store to get there but it is a big beautiful bar with a great food menu and uh, like these guys were saying I mean you can just like get your oysters and free beer and uh, look out over Bryant Park and it's just beautiful. Um, Doesn't feel like you're in the grocery store. It's like an oasis so please come hang out with us. And, and, yes. and, and the beer is free, guys. And if you're <laughs> if that atmosphere isn't enough for you, DJ Cherish the Love will be there. Believe this go round, she's spinning eighties and nineties like alt rock, which I think is gonna be an interesting change of pace. So you should come. Tuesday, six to eight PM at Bryant Park. I did really love Disco Night, but that I'm also fun. excited for yeah. for the what she's gonna spin on Tuesday. Yeah. Um 
Now we want to talk about a few of our show headlines. Uh, first and foremost, Meet and 3 season finale drops tomorrow. And it's episode 12. And it's a follow-up to our show about uh, youth and its age. And you just heard the promo for it at the top of the show. And please tune in and go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen. And subscribe. Rate us. Review us. We're super proud of that first season and excited to do season two this fall. Yeah, um, it is the product of a lot of hard work by um, a lot of people who are in this room and also um, a lot of our hosts from around the network and uh, really kind of like a culminating project for HRN this summer. So if you haven't heard it yet, please check it out. Um, It would also mean the world to us if you could subscribe and maybe leave us one of those beautiful reviews on iTunes. Um, Help us take over the world and be the number one food podcast and get all the attention for Heritage Radio Network shows. That would be awesome. Um, I also want to point out that this week on Cooking Issues, Dave Arnold was joined in studio by Joshua Applestone. He's the founder of Applestone Meat Company, and you may have heard him in Hannah Horton's piece about meat vending machines. And um, they talk about vending machines, among other things. Dave Arnold has a cocktail vending machine in his new bar, Existing Conditions. Joshua Applestone has meat vending machines in upstate. It's a good show. You should listen. A couple other shows, guys. Do you want to do some headlines? I'll, t- I'll do some headlines. Uh, on All in the Industry, Sherry Bear chatted with Margaret Brown of Margaret Brown Studio. Uh, she's a sugar artist and a pioneering cake designer whose work transcends edible media to sculpture, illustration, design, and ceramics. Um, so check that one out on All in the Industry. And uh, this week on Feast Your Ears, Harry Rosenblum celebrates mead with Raphael Lyon of Enlightenment Wines, who's been making mead in New York since 2009, which is super cool. And coming up on August 5th, they're going to be hosting the first ever mead day. We were just talking to Mary Isaac, uh, host of Fomentz about it, about it, and we're really, really excited to taste some mead. So check it out. Yeah. Tune into that episode also where Harry reveals a lot about his Dungeons and Dragons playing days. Stop it. Ooh. I'm intrigued. <laughs> you don't say. Um, I also am pretty sure that Mead Day is um, free to attend, so you should go check it out. Where You're is right it? Right down the road. Um, it is at Enlightenment oh, Wines. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. So Honey's? Is that that? No, don't tell her. You have to listen oh. to the episode. Shoot. <laughs> Just kidding. I ruined it. Sorry. <laughs> no spoilers, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler. Sorry. Um, Food radio ain't free. <laughs> Well, okay. Well, we're going to turn back now to Jenny and Alex, and we're going to hear a little bit more about this journey that they're on with Tillit. Um, So, Alex, you have a background in kitchens, professional kitchens. So I'm curious, kind of for both of you, the inspiration behind starting this company and thinking I can design chefware that's better than what I'm able to find. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it was... We're lucky that it was a pretty easy target when we started. Yeah. Chefware was pretty terrible. <laughs> so it wasn't, yeah, it certainly wasn't that I thought I was an amazing designer. It was that the clothes were awful. Um, and, and we were basically, we wanted to make clothes for, for, for me, for myself. Um, and, you know, it was, I had gone from restaurant kitchens in a private home and, you know, was walking around on the street in these giant baggy, disgusting pants and coats that didn't fit and, um, basically felt like a clown going to the grocery store and, and the market and such. And so, um, and, and people were moving into basically pulling from popular fashion to wear that in the kitchen, but it was just kind of missing some of the functionality that, um, you needed when you're in the kitchen that was lightweight and it has 
you know, vits, uh, vents in the pits and um, stretchy fabric and things that repel stains and such as that. Um, and so kind of combining those two things is, is how we started. And had you designed clothes at all before? No, no. There was a lot of like, if, if you look at the clothes that we started with, they were pretty pretty rough there were some like things i don't that, think that's true <laughs> i beg to differ the, the samples that we started with oh, i mean i was samples. literally like hand hammering rivets in our living room and so th things were a little rustic in the beginning fun fact alex <laughs> took sewing lessons when we were starting the company yeah where did you find sewing lessons to take there's a lot of opportunities in new york to learn things which i think is pretty awesome and i think that the the garment industry in general was like super welcoming when i started when we started and um it was you know, for other people, they were just doing like home projects. And here I am, you know, joining that class to learn how to sew an apron that would one day become a pretty cool brand that's making an awesome jumpsuit that Jenny's got on. Yeah. So. What, so what's, tell me more about the garment district and the garment industry in New York today. Cause I, I didn't really realize that it's still such a booming kind of little pocket of Manhattan. I think about it, you know, decades ago. I wouldn't say it's booming. I would say it's shrinking. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, you know, our manufacturer from when we started had, they had two floors and then another whole floor at a separate building. And now they're basically like just two floors. Like yeah. I mean, it's definitely apart, like, so. you know, you walk the streets and it, it's, it's pretty amazing to see the change. And even in the last five, five years, years that we've been taking part in it, but I'm sure it's drastically different than it was 20 years ago. But it's still um, cool to make stuff in New York. I mean, you know, that being said, there's definitely, yeah, I mean, there's blocks of, you know, button stores and thread stores and things like that. And they are shrinking, but it's, it's still there. And, you know, like Jenny said, our manufacturer had a huge space and it's being condensed and things are changing, but, you know, if more people like our brand can continue to make it, you know, relevant and keep it here, then hopefully it won't shrink anymore or it can possibly grow. I mean, truthfully, there's a lot of really super high skilled labor here. There's a whole set of cottage industry around, you know, making garments. So there's your button guy, your trimmings guy, your zipper guy who are all in Midtown and starting out as like a small brand. If we didn't have the garment district, we wouldn't exist today because it really like, as Alex said, our they've been real like the whole industry our manufacturer everybody we've worked with has been like mentors in a way they've said hey go talk to this guy about new patterns talk to this person about this and this about that so we're super thankful that it's there and it, it is important to have stuff made locally mm. have a lot of these vendors you work with have they talked much about how they're changing their businesses to kind of fit these more cottage industries like like till it other than just like simply shrinking the size of their business I mean, I think that they're, you know, one of the things that they're having to do is um, is be a little bit more flexible on the quantities and the turnaround times and things like that that they're producing. Um, and it certainly benefits younger small businesses like ourselves that we can come in and make 50 pieces or 100 pieces of something, you know, as a, on the first run that we're starting, as opposed to, you know, what they would ideally want to make is 500 or thousands of pieces at a time. Um, and so having more clients doing smaller runs or it's just an adaptation for them and being a little more flexible and taking on new projects like that, you know? That's interesting because you guys do some specific collaborations with restaurants in New York and obviously they're not going to buy a thousand pieces at a time. <laughs> yeah. So talk a little bit about who you work with in the city and, and how you kind of create a custom look for them. Yeah. So, um, we have, you know, 
couple thousand restaurant clients, I think at this time, maybe a few thousand. And it's, you know, it's our favorite part of the job, I would say, is collaborating and working with restaurants. Um, I think we were talking briefly about the Una Pizza um, uniforms that we did for their opening. And they did something really cool because they, you know, they're a restaurant, but they serve pizza also. So it was important to them to like, have a distinct look. So we made custom coats that were short sleeve and, and this like really cool white color because, you know, it's part of their brand and put their their logo on it. So that was a fun recent one. Um, anybody else come to mind? It's just like little details yeah. that, that when you bring, you know, popular fashion and into the restaurant that kind of melds with their brand that, that like we had talked about earlier, that takes them from being a pizza shop to being a really cool restaurant that also serves pizza. And it's, it's, it sounds silly when you say it and probably sounds silly to whoever's hearing this right now, but you know, it's, it is a distinction that when you see it visually, you get, you get that and then it kind of sets the mood for the experience that you're going to have at the restaurant there. Um, Maybe that's taking it a little too seriously, but I think that's certainly important. And very serious. You know, it's <laughs> it's to, to us. I think it's e- equally important as you know the tiles that you put on the wall, yeah. the you know the way the the plates, the, the ceramics that you buy to put the food on. Um, it's yeah. part of the design. It's part of the experience. I think for the most part, like when we were starting, you know, people had been thinking a lot about design, about redesigning restaurants to make the diner feel like they're part of the kitchen experience with open kitchens and all these things, but they weren't like the uniform that both front of house and back of house were wearing hadn't quite evolved to like match that experience. So it's like you walk into this restaurant where people spent millions of dollars or maybe they did it themselves, but they put a lot of love and attention to detail. And then they're like servers are in like white t-shirts and like white rental aprons and the whole, it like makes a difference to the guest experience is what we've seen. So are there any um, like nitty gritty design details or lessons learned from collaborating with restaurant clients or just from scaling the business in general? Oh my God. Well, I would tell you my biggest mistake in business. So we put an, we were the first US company to put an apron tab on the back of all of our like shirt garments, which basically holds the apron down from people's necks when they're wearing aprons and which and they people complain it's uncomfortable, it chafes, and we didn't patent it and now everybody does it. Oh <gasps> wow. It's a note to sell. <laughs> so that is my biggest lesson learned from business thus far. Um, it's still pretty cool though that we it's like still pretty cool. change part theme. of the design for all chefs and cooks out there to yeah. be able to wear. We feel like we so I feel proud a product for everybody in every part of the industry. Yeah. So we still feel really good about it. And you probably <laughs> saved like Tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of necks from Chase. So many sweaty necks. So many sweaty wow. necks. <laughs> so you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. Um, that was our biggest mistake. I think that was um, big, that was a, it wasn't a biggest mistake, but yeah. it was, you know, we're still learning stuff every day. So like we're coming out with an oyster apron. It's launching on Sunday, which is National Oyster Day. Cool. Um, and we Noted. Cla- noted. So get your oysters on. And um, we collaborated with Island Creek Oysters, and that was like a really fun experience because basically we learned what a shucker needs on their person and how can we make you know their tools really accessible where they're wearing an apron that won't get wet and like tons of like ice and, and oyster liqueur and um, still like a lot of smells to be absorbed. I know there's yeah. there's <laughs> things that are happening there. And, is, is it um, waterproof? So we used our washable wax cotton, so it's water repellent, cool. so it'll keep them dry, and then. We lined the pocket with super fabric, which is a slash resistant fabric, but it's thin, so it's not like super bulky. So they can put their um, oyster knives and clam knives right in their pockets. So that was, so we're still like every time we meet somebody, we're learning something new. I also love the idea of the chef backpack that you guys created. Why 
why did, did chefs need a backpack that would work for them? I think before um, chefs would carry a backpack and then they would also carry a knife roll. So you had two bags. And we basically wanted to eliminate one of those bags. And so we put them together and made something that was super functional. And it's, um, it's definitely something that fits in urban environments. People on the subway, it's people on buses, it's people commuting to work on bikes um, that don't have to carry a second bag. And it's super functional. It's, it, and it's also something that's, you know, everything that, that we're doing, I feel like we're basically updating things that were done 25 years ago because the people that were doing this before us hadn't really changed it in a long, long time. So um, the way that people commute and the things that they're bringing to work has obviously changed quite a bit in the last 20, 25 years. They're bringing iPads, they're bringing computers. So it's basically, it's a mix between a tech bag and, you know, the, you know, the simplest tech there is, is a, a chef knife. So um, combining all those like very hard tools with, with modern technology and having it something that looks very street ready, um, but also super functional in the kitchen. I love that. I'm a sucker yeah. for a really good bag. Yeah. yeah we actually are working really on cool. a, um, bartender bag. Oh, cool. Yeah. So we're going to hook the mixologist up next. That's very exciting. Yeah, we'll have yeah. to talk about another happy hour. What can we put in the bartender <laughs> yeah. bag, ladies? Such a good fit. We should talk to the speakeasy too. Yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. do it. Making, moving and shaking here. Yeah, definitely. Um, you guys were a recipient of a Mission Main Street grant from Chase. Can you tell us what that was and how that changed your business? Oh my God, it did so many things for us. <laughs> we, love um, Chase. We, lo- we love you, Chase. <laughs> no, so. Chase play. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I, when were, we were recipients in 2013 or 14, 13, maybe I can't, I feel like it was so long ago. Now. So basically yeah. Chase had this program, which unfortunately they discontinued the year after we were the recipients, but, um, it was for any small business and you could just apply. You didn't even have to be a Chase member or whatever. And there was 30,000 applicants, I guess. And we won out of 20. So we were recipients of 20 other small businesses. Wow. wow. It was really, it was like, an, an, like, oh shit, I can't believe this just happened moment. Um, and it was at a time for us when we were, so we funded the business ourselves um, with like our savings and we were growing organically. When one of the issues we were facing is that you know, manufacturing clothes is capital intensive when you need to have inventory. So we were running out of inventory because we couldn't make things fast enough with like cash flow. So the grant essentially funded like an inventory investment for us that allowed us to really grow the business. So I think, you know, if we hadn't received that grant, we probably would have had to go like look for debt or outside investors or something um, in order to continue growing. So it really definitely was a pivotal point for us. That's very cool. Another thing I wanted to ask you about, um, as I was browsing the website today, um, there's a, I believe it's a hat and an event that you did that supported the Immigrant Defense Project, and their work focuses around the intersection of the immigration system and the criminal justice system. I thought that was a really interesting cause for you guys to get behind. Can you speak to why that's important to your brand? Yeah, I mean, that was a super fun project for us, and it's something that we'd like to continue, I think, in the future, if we can find ways to do it. Um, the, you know, there's, you know, tons of, you know, immigrant that are populating restaurants and keeping things going and, you know, working really hard to, you know, better our communities and, um, everyone in the hospitality industry understands the importance. And even our own team is very diverse. Yeah. Um, and and so the idea of helping them, you know, the IDP helps, you know, find them legal services and, and guide and give them guidance, uh, when they're in a time of need. Um, and so we did a f- really fun project, which was to have, uh, we had four tattoo artists come in and do 
uh, flash tattoos and all the money that we raised uh, from the tattoos as well as the clothes and merchandise that we sold went to IDP. That's cool. So that was a whole lot of fun. Yeah, it was cool. And I think we had like 50-something people come in and get tattooed that day, and we we called it Food Flash. Um, so basically all the whole tattoo sheet, it was like a flash tattoo sheet, um, and all the tattoos were food related. So Alex has a pizza, yes, yes, pizza. Um, awesome. on his arm and yeah, so it's fun. It was a very, very fun, cool thing. And some of that merch is still available on your website. Some of the merch is still hats available. Hats are still around. Yeah, hats cool. are still around. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Well, we're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to play some trivia that I wrote for you guys that I'm very excited about. And everyone, <laughs> everyone here is going to be on your team too. So when we come back. Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Thank you, Roberta's. It's Brandon Hoy, everybody. Love him. Love him. All right. We are back with This is Brandon Hoy. (laughs) He's back. This is Brandon Hoy, co-owner of Roberta's. Um, He's everywhere. We're back with Jenny Goodman and Alex McCreary, the co-founders of Tillit. And as we've been talking about, um, the vast majority of the garments that they make are made here in New York in the garment district. So with that in mind, I wrote some trivia around the garment district. Oh, good God. We're going to take a little trip. (laughs) Take a little trip. Um, So the garment district, for anyone who doesn't know, is an area of Manhattan that goes from 9th Avenue to 6th Avenue, 34th Street up to 42nd Street. All right, so here's some random trivia. First, this area of Manhattan is historically linked to one of the greatest scientists in history. The southwest corner of Bryant Park, which we mentioned earlier, is known as Nikola Tesla Corner because he could be seen there feeding pigeons in his old age. A plaque marking his death is located. His place of death is located at what Garment District Hotel? I'll give you a hint. It's also the name of a very famous magazine, The New Yorker. Yes. Thank you for the hint. Yes. I'm sweating. Um, (laughs) Yes, that is where he died, and he was like very old too, which I was surprised. At okay, second question. (laughs) He was like 84. Like invented? I mean, there were a lot of things, but direct alternating current. Right? Or direct current. It's the other one that uh, Thomas Edison invented. Wait. Pretty sure wait, it was yeah, alternating current. <laughs> yeah. You could ask the question. Yeah. I know. But now I'm like, wait, I did this project in fifth grade. In, I about it. I'm I will tell sure you. AC. Well, more interestingly than his scientific accomplishments. Uh, Kat, I got to stop you right there. What? 
more interestingly. Yeah, wait for it. He, it was rumored that he was romantically involved with one of the pigeons. He, there was Come a white on. pigeon that he was like, this is the love of my life. Wow. Oh, so. No, no, no. <laughs> also, as someone who worked in the garment district for several years, the pigeons are nasty. <laughs> are they specifically more They're nasty? They're worse there. <laughs> I thought you were going to say as somebody who's, there? I thought you were going to say as somebody who's been involved with a pigeon. <laughs> We don't, we don't have to talk about that, David. <laughs> later, later. All right, question number two. At the north end of the garment district is the Port Authority bus terminal. Our favorite place it's in the Best place on earth. Maybe. Uh, what transportation group that shares a name with a Canadian singer is saying sorry to its riders who are wondering, where are you now? After its buses got the boot from the terminal over unpaid bills. There's, there are some hints in that question. There a lot of clues in there, Kat. I have, I have thoughts. I need some help from the team here. Sorry. And where are you now? Canadian singer. Isn't that... This, it's got to be the Biebs. <laughs> it's Bieber. Yeah. Bieber Transportation Group. Any relation? Don't think so. All right, question number three. I'll never ride on the Bieber bus. <laughs> never. Just... Never say never. Never <laughs> say never. <laughs> See what you did. There. All right. On the west side of the garment district is an entrance ramp to the Lincoln Tunnel. Omero C. Catan was the first to drive through the tunnel on December 22nd, 1937. Catan was known as Mr. First because he made a hobby of going where no man had gone before. He paid the first toll on the George Washington Bridge, was the first to buy a token on the 8th Avenue subway, and was the first to drive over the Tappan Zee Bridge and over like 500 more firsts. But what iconic winter activity was Catan first to partake in at the address of 605th Avenue? Win- what, winter what winter activity can you do at 605th Avenue? Oh, ice skating? I don't know. Scott yes. Scott yeah. Yeah. Good ice skating at Rockefeller Center. He was a cool guy that I learned about today. Um, how do you think he got oh. on how, his Yeah, list? how did he get to do that? Yeah. So he, he, just, like, he, just, to play. he just showed up. <laughs> yeah. He was like the guys at Supreme before they did that. <laughs> He's the like original Supreme fan. Exactly. <laughs> he he like read a story of a family friend who, or knew a family friend who was like the first to drive over some bridge. And of course, when he's alive in like the 20s and 30s is when all these bridges and right. tunnels and things are opening. And so he's able to just be the first person there. Yeah. Interesting. Um, question number four. Macy's flagship store sits at the southeast corner of the garment district. What mechanical feature of the store was cutting edge technology in the 1920s, but is still in use today? Uh, the, the wooden escalator. That's right. <laughs> that I know. Yes. Just talk to me about retail and I get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the last question uh, is a modern day question. The garment district is full of history, but also holds some new surprises. El Sabroso El is a tiny lunch counter serving Latin American food on 37th Street. What about this restaurant makes it hard to find? You gotta, you gotta Hannah, volunteer in Hannah. Oh, yeah. It's on a loading dock. That's oh, right. Oh, you knew this. Yeah. There's a couple cool. of places like that in the area. There's another one on 39th where it's just sort of like they'll, they'll be like a little like handwritten menu like stuck to the wall and you're like, what are you talking about? Is it good? This place has I gotten... I haven't been to that one. I've been yeah. to the one on 39th, which was good. It was great. Was, El Sabroso's gotten 
a few write-ups. It's supposed to be very good. Check Is the one on 39th, like, multiple carts in a thing? I was going to an event, and I looked in this place, and it was, like, a warehouse. It's, like, in a weird place that's, like, kind of the sidewalk, but kind of also the entrance to the Lincoln Tunnel, and there was, like, a warehouse full of food carts. Huh. And they kind of looked like they were open, but I was like, that cannot possibly be this must just be like the end of day storage for the it's where halal carts, carts go to sleep i guess so there are a lot of mysterious know. spots like that it's like the i don't know these like doors open and you're just like what <laughs> that's kind of like the other day i learned about carriage houses that still exist in new york oh, yeah. city like you see them in charleston and places like that all the time but there's apparently a little um alleyway i want to say in like greenwich village or something where a bunch there's like seven or eight of them all in this courtyard and i'm like that's like a dream place to live. Mm-hmm. Your little oasis in Manhattan. Anyway. Thanks for playing my garment district trivia, guys. Thank you. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> I learned some new things. Yes. It's a fascinating place. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's that's our show. Thanks again to Jenny and Alex from Tillit for fun. joining Thanks us for today. Having Thanks for having us. It was fun. Next time we'll come to your place for yes. happy hour. <laughs> we all need to come try on these jumpsuits. Yes. <laughs> sure. Check out the jumpsuit, guys. So cute. Tillitnyc.com. Yes. And where can people find you on socials? Same. Tillitnyc is our social handles. And Tillit is T-I-L-I-T. Yeah. Good call. And you guys ship? We ship everywhere. Yep. Awesome. So no matter where you're cooking or just living your life and you you want to wear a cool jumpsuit, get your Tillit. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. Thanks to Katie Mosman-Wadler. Thanks, Kat. Hannah Forden. Thanks. David Tatashore. Thanks. Jordan Werner Barry. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kat Johnson. Thanks for listening. We will be back next week. See you then. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. HRN Happy Hour is powered by Simplecast. Simplecast is a popular hosting and analytics platform that allows podcasters to easily host and publish to apps like Apple Podcasts. If you have a podcast or are looking to create your very first, check it out. Try it for free and save half off your first three months at simplecast.com forward slash heritage.